You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. For the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Teachable, and we're talking about this one character trait that we all need in our lives to grow in every area of our lives, certainly to grow spiritually. We're talking about teachability. Let me start today by asking you this question. How many of you know somebody that they always just seem to make really wise decisions? Like they're blessed, they're prosperous, they kind of have it all together. They're not perfect, but they seem to make the right decisions. Anybody know somebody like that? And sometimes you wonder, like, what's the secret sauce? Like, what is the secret to their success? And then we all know somebody who's the opposite. Come on. Like, you see the decisions that they make, and you wonder, what in the world were they thinking? I could have told you she was not the right person for you. I could have told you you should not have quit your job to go after that opportunity. Like, what were you thinking? Like, what's the difference between those two people, right? What's the difference between getting it right and getting it wrong? Well, I want to give you one idea today, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you about wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom today because according to the scriptures, the ultimate goal of teachability is wisdom. It's for us to become people of wisdom, for us to become wise people. Let's first define that. What is wisdom in the biblical sense. Well, let me give you a simple definition you can put in your notes today. Wisdom is simply the ability to make the right decision in any given situation. It's a simple, simple definition, but it's biblical. It's the ability to to make the right decision, to discern what is the right decision in any given situation. Because we're faced with a lot of different decisions in life, aren't we? For example, what college should I go to? Should I marry this person or not? Should we have another child? Should I retire now or in three years? How much money should I give away? Should I adopt a child or not? What career should I pick? Should we use our money to go on vacation or not? What kind of car should I drive? Should I swipe right or left on this person's dating profile? Single people. Lord, give you wisdom. May the Lord give you wisdom. There are so many decisions that we're faced with in life every day, little and and, and big, right? And there are so many situations that the Bible doesn't speak clearly to. Like, you know, we have the the principles of God's word, but it can't tell you how much money you should spend on vacation this year. And so we, the point is we have to become people of wisdom. The only thing that can help us in those situations is to, is to grow our discernment, to become people of, of wisdom. We need wisdom to help guide us. The question is, the million dollar question is, how do we get it? Anybody want to know how do we get it, right? That's what we want to know today. Well, the Bible actually has a whole lot of, a whole lot to say about wisdom. In fact, there is a book that many of you know in the Bible that's dedicated to the pursuit of wisdom, and it's one of my favorite books. It's the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is this collection of little wise sayings that are passed down through the ages by wise men of God, wise sages like King Solomon. And, and, and so each proverb is this little statement, like these little, almost like ancient tweets, like pregnant with truth. And so we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, one of the most famous chapters in Proverbs, and it's all about learning to trust God, learning to trust God in, in his ways and the blessings that, that result when we live our lives this way. We're going we're gonna to learn how to get wisdom. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and I want you to pay attention to the pursuit of wisdom here and, and some of the blessings that are the byproduct of living a life of wisdom. 
Here's what it says. My son, do not forget my teaching. The imagery is that of a father teaching his son wisdom. My son, do not forget my teaching. So we're not leaving out the ladies. That's just the imagery. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Come on, how many of you want to live a long, peaceful, and prosperous life? Hello. Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And man, how many of you want favor with God and with the people around you? Verse 5, famous verses, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. We're going to talk about what that means in a minute. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There's another blessing there, health to your body. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth for the first fruit of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. There's another good blessing there. How many of you want your barns, your bank account to be overflowing with the blessing of God? Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. So the, so the writer of Proverbs here talks about the pursuit of wisdom, training in wisdom, aligning our path with the path of God. How do we become wise people? How do we become those who allow God to direct our course? And so I want to give you six things today. We've got a lot of points, a lot of good notes today. Six things you need to know in order to get wisdom from Proverbs chapter 3. Are you ready? I would encourage you to take some notes today. Open up the Redemption app. Put these in your notes today. Six things you need to know in order to get wisdom, to pursue wisdom. Here's the first one, number one, know that wisdom is a path. Everybody say path. It's a path. Look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. One famous translation says, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Some of you may know that scripture, he may direct your path, but more literally here, the, the, the closer to the literal translation, he will actually make your paths straight. He'll keep you on the straight and narrow path. You see, in Proverbs, living, uh, living life is likened to walking a path. We have a picture of a path for you today. In fact, this is a picture that I took the other day. I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of prayer walking. So if you ever see me out and I look like I'm talking to myself, look like some crazy, like what is Pastor Jeremy doing? Is he talking to the birds and squirrels? No, I'm just praying. Just leave me alone. I'm just out there meeting with Jesus, okay? But I do a lot of walking. I shot this, this picture over at uh, Rockefeller uh, Park close to my house. And so I'm on a path a whole lot. And so this imagery resonates with me. But the pathway is one of the major metaphors of Proverbs. And, and, and the imagery here is just left, right, left, right, every day, right? Just moving forward steadily. Like life, the, pro- the writer of Proverbs wants us to get this. Life is made up of these everyday kind of left, right moments. You know, according to the Bible, who you become is a product, basically a product of what you, you do every day. The, the little things, not the big dramatic things that end up in your biography at the end of your life. Now, the big dramatic decisions, they matter. They certainly impact you. But most of life, how many of you know most of life is made up of what you do every day? The decisions you make every day, the way you live your life every day. If you're a follower of Christ, I would say the daily disciplines that you practice, spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, meditating on on his word, his principles. These are the things. The the, the wisdom of Proverbs says life is a, a pathway. It's a long, patient quest. Wisdom in the Bible is a pathway, not a door. The truth is we want wisdom to be a door. I unlock it, I turn the handle, I open it, and boom, all of a sudden I'm wise. 
That's what we want wisdom to be, right? We want a shortcut. We want to find the secret. What is the secret? You would have loved today if I said, let me give you the secret to be wise today. One point, it's a door. You do this, and you're going to be a wise person. See, the ancient wisdom of, of, of Scripture, of Proverbs, it critiques our modern-day culture, which is always looking for a shortcut to wisdom. In, in fact, uh, this is why we have so many health, self-help books right now, right? You can go on Amazon and you can find a book, How to Become Confident, How to Deal with Stress, How to be, Become More Successful in, in Business. We want a door, not a, a path. We want to read a book and become wise overnight. And I think Christians can, can be the same way. You know, we want the wisdom of God. I'm trying to make a big, big decision. Pastor, pray for me. And if God would just give me a sign. Come on, how many of you ever said that before? If God would just make it clear to me. If he would just give me a sign. Sometimes you just open your Bible. I'm going to open my Bible and pray. And I'm going to point my finger to a random verse. And hope that God gives me wisdom. And so you open up your Bible. You close your eyes. And you point your finger. And you look. And the verse says, and Judas went and hanged himself. <laughs> oh, not a good one. Let me try something else. You close your eyes, you flip a few pages, and you put your finger down. It says, go and do likewise. No, no. Let me try one more time. This isn't working, right? You flip a few more pages, you put your, your finger down. What thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> okay, this is not working. This is not working. And so the writer of Proverbs reminds us that there is no shortcut. Wisdom is a path, church. It's daily decisions. It's getting up every day left Right, inviting God into your day every day, making the right decisions every day, meditating on his word, seeking him in prayer. And over time, if you do that, you become a wise person. You don't just open the door and, and, and there's a shortcut to becoming wise. This is training ourselves every day. And over time, if you do that, you will end up becoming a wise person. Here's the second thing we need to know. We need to, to know God. We're talking about six things we need to know to become wise. Come on, how many of you want wisdom? How many of you want those blessings that we just read about? Point two is know God. Know God. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 3. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, this idea of love and faithfulness, love here is from the Hebrew word chesed. It's one of those good Hebrew words you have to kind of cough it up from the back of your throat, chesed. And this refers to the covenant love of God, like the part of God where he binds himself to his people. Think about the covenant he made with the, the Israelites in the Old Testament and the covenant we have with him in Christ, the new covenant we have in Christ. This is that, that aspect of God. It's, it's his love that never leaves you. It's, it's the part of God where he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The second thing that you need in order to become wise is, is to know God, to know that he loves you particularly, to know his love, not just in, in your head. It's one thing to have the, the, you know, the, the mental idea like God loves me, but it's to get it from your head, migrate it down a few inches into your heart, to know it deep down in your heart so that it becomes your reality. It assures you that you know God is never going to, to, to leave you, but he, it puts you in a place where you don't have to run and seek approval in other places. Come on, how many of you know when we're insecure in the love of God and we're running to all these different places, it's like that old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, that's how we end up making some really bad decisions. So we got to know who God is. We're going to know who he is. We got to know his love for us. In fact, the writer of Proverbs tells us that a wise person lives with a deep sense of calm. How is that? We, we see this imagery throughout the Proverbs. Well, because they've meditated on this truth until it's gotten deep down in their hearts and it becomes part of their reality. How many of you have ever known a, a saint of God, somebody who's walked with God for years and nothing rattles them, nothing shakes? I think about my parents' generation. They've just been walking with God for so long. Just, there's a deep calm over their lives because they believe this truth. When I think about this, I think about one of the greatest women of faith I've ever read about. Uh, some of you have heard of Corrie Ten Boom before from her famous book, The Hiding Place. 
uh, Corrie was a, a Dutch woman who lived with her family in the Netherlands uh, during World War II, and uh, she and her family actually helped hide Jews in, in their home during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands, and and they eventually, uh, they all got arrested. The family all got arrested. And some of the family members even died in, in prison camps. But Corey survived. And she went on to have this amazing, you know, worldwide ministry. And she would travel over Europe and, and, and preaching the gospel. But Corey's inspiration was actually her sister, Betsy. Her sister, Betsy, was one of these people who had this deep calm, just a great woman of faith. And at one point in time, one of the most moving parts of the whole story is Betsy is lying in, in, a, in a bed, sick, in Ravensbrück concentration camp in, in Germany. And she tells Corey, we must tell them, we must tell people that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. In other words, we have to go tell them that the love of God can find you even here in a concentration camp. And if we can feel God's presence here, there's no place, there's nothing we can go through in life that we can't feel his love. And I'm blown away when I read a story like that. And Corey, she was, her life was changed by her sister's example. Because how could someone have that kind of assurance even in those terrible circumstances? Why? Because Betsy had meditated on the love of God so much so that it got deep down in her heart. And it became her reality. Church, we got to know God. we got to know God. We have to know his love. That is the beginning to the path of being a wise person, making wise decisions. Here's the third thing, number three. got to know yourself. We're talking about what do we need to know to become people of wisdom, to pursue wisdom. you got to know yourself. Back to Proverbs 3, verses 5, and then we're going to skip to 7. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Then skip to verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And so you got to know yourself. you got to know yourself. The writer of Proverbs says, lean not on your own understanding. Now, this doesn't mean you can't use your God-given brain. In fact, what we're talking about today is over time, right, as we do the daily disciplines, as we pursue this path, as we pursue God orchestrating our path, we actually become wise people. But not leaning on your own understanding means that don't put all of your weight there. That's the imagery. Don't put all of your weight there. Like your, your, your understanding isn't strong enough to bear the full weight of your understanding. Like recognize that you need the wisdom and the guidance of God in your life. And then in verse 7, he says, this is where it really clarifies. It says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, wise is the person who recognizes they can be foolish at times. Am I the only one in here who makes dumb mistakes every now and then? Anybody with me? Come on, let's just be safe in church today. Let's just keep it real in church today. We all make dumb mistakes. Some of you married people, your spouse is nudging you like, put your hand up right now. Okay? We all make, bad, we all make dumb mistakes. We all do foolish things at times. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that the minute you recognize that you're capable of being foolish, you're on the path of wisdom. You're actually on the path of wisdom, but it's the person who's wise in their own eyes who's actually a fool. Are you with me? We're living in a culture where we're surrounded by people who are wise in their own eyes, successful. They've made it. They've arrived. And and the writer of Proverbs says, the wise is the person who recognizes no matter where you're at in life, we're all capable of being foolish at times. Notice how, how knowing yourself is connected to knowing God. We talked about knowing God a moment ago, knowing God's love. I want you to see the connection here because once you know that God loves you, then you can actually do the hard work of, of self-examination so you can be aware of, of your weaknesses and your issues. Do you see the connection? See, knowing that God loves you unconditionally is what sets you free to do this. 
I want you to make the connection here because if you're not absolutely assured of the love of God that shapes your confidence, that shapes your self-identity, that, that you're secure in his love, it'll be very difficult for you to do the real work of self-examination. You'll fool yourself. You'll make excuses for your weaknesses. You'll blame other people. Come on, how many of you know your subconscious is a really powerful thing? And we suppress the knowledge of ourselves, not only the knowledge of God, but, but if we don't ex- know exactly who we are in him. Let me give you a quote from the famous reformer and theologian John Calvin. He said this, nearly all the wisdom which we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Once you know who you are in Christ, that you are loved, you are accepted in the midst of your failures, your strengths, your weaknesses, then you're set free to do the real work of self-evaluation, self-reflection. Church, you have to know who you really are. Come on, you have to, wise as the person who knows their strengths and their weaknesses, their temptations, their tendencies. You know what you're good at. You know what you're bad at. You know, last year we did a whole series. It was called I Said This, You Heard That. It's on our website. And it was all about the temperaments and the way God has wired us. And that series became famous around this church because it helps so many of us like recognize, oh, that's why I do the things I do. There was so many light bulb moments. You need to go back and listen to, to that series, right? Because it helped explain so many things. Some of you have been in a relationship with somebody for years, and you're like, oh, that finally explains why they're like that. I just thought they were weird. (laughs) No wonder, right? No wonder. And so you have to do self-examination regularly because I hate to tell you, we all have blind spots. Come on, how many of you know we all have blind spots? Isn't it amazing how other people's weaknesses are just so readily apparent to us? (laughs) Right? But we can't see our own. They don't come to us so naturally. It's because we have blind spots. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you have blind spots. Preach to them. You have blind spots. You got to do some self-examination. We all got blind spots. And and the wisdom of Proverbs says you got to know that about yourself. You got to know yourself. Don't just know your upside. No, no. Get real with yourself. Know your your weaknesses. Know your temptations. Know when you are not at your best. Oh, I could get in trouble. I'm going to keep going. For, <laughs> on to point four. On to point four. Number four, know that you need community. Know that you need community. We actually talked about this in, in week one. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in, in your heart. We might say my daughter as well. We'll include the, include the ladies. But the imagery here is that of a father teaching his son. My son. You see this all throughout the Proverbs. You see in, in Old Testament, in the Old Testament, education took place mostly in the home, like in the family setting, within your clan, within your tribe of, of people, not so much in a traditional classroom like we think of today in, in modern times. And so all throughout Proverbs, there's this invitation to learn in, in community, in the family, in the people of God, in, in your tribe. In fact, there's a bigger picture that, that we're learning alongside of all these wise sages who have gone before us. That's what I love about Proverbs, like just ancient wisdom that has stood the test of time. And when you open Proverbs, you're invited into that community of learners, people who have been studying and reading the Proverbs for thousands of years. That's the community you're, you're invited into. Here's the point. You will never find wisdom by yourself. You'll never find wisdom by yourself. The fool is an individualist. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. I don't need, I don't need your help. Famous last words. How many times did you say that to your parents when you were a kid? I don't need your help. I can do this. And then life happened to you, and you got humbled. Come on, wise is the person who recognizes they need the wisdom of community. The wisdom of community. Wise is the person who intentionally 
surrounds themselves with counselors and mentors and good friends. This is why we encourage you to get into a life group. If you're new to our church, you hear us talking about life groups all the time. We have groups of people who are meeting on, uh, in person and online throughout, throughout the week because something happens when you get into a group. It's one thing to get knowledge, to get a sermon, to read a book and kind of have knowledge for yourself. That's wonderful. But relationships is where we learn to work it out. Relationships is where, you know, the scripture says iron sharpens iron, right? And, and, and we come into contact with our strengths and weaknesses because you have a gift that I don't have. You have a spiritual gift that I don't have, and I have a spiritual gift that you don't have. And you have an experience with Jesus that's unique to you, and I have an experience with Jesus that's unique to me. And so when we get together, we all get a different angle, a different view of who Jesus is, and we truly are better together. That's why we encourage you to get into, into a relationship. And plus, we have to learn how to put this, like, you know, love of neighbor into practice when we're in relationships. How I many you know it's easy to read about loving your neighbor as yourself? It's another thing to get into community with real human beings who are flawed and learn how to put it into practice. Uh, somebody ought to say amen right there. Come on. Let's keep it real in church today, all right? We'll have the altar call right now, and every one of y'all will have to come up. So you can get information in a class, but you get wisdom in community. You can get information in a class. Isn't that what we love? You know, we love, let's go to a seminar. Let's watch a video. Let's read a self-help book. And I do. I read all the books like you. I listen to audio books all the time. But I'm going to tell you, wisdom comes in community. And that's why I believe this. I tell you guys all, all, all the time. In fact, I'm, Amy and I were both in, a, in leadership cohorts together in a brotherhood, sisterhood group with other, other pastors. And this is what we're doing. We're praying for each other. We're challenging each other. We're sharing ideas with each other, right? Like iron sharpens iron. We need people. Like we need people speaking in, in, into our lives. We need accountability. We need prayer. And so we all need this. We, we talked about this back in week one. We said that we, we have to have, be intentional about community. But the, one of the keys to teachability is being intentional about community because you can get information from a class, but you get wisdom in a community. I need people in my life who have walked with Jesus longer than me. I need people in my life who have walked with Jesus longer than me that can speak into my life, and you do too. Here's the, here's the next thing. Number five, we're talking about how do we, what do we need to know to pursue wisdom, to become people of wisdom? Number five, know God's word. You got to know God's word. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 1 again. My son, do not forget my teaching. Read this out loud with me. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Come on, the writer of Proverbs says, keep my commands in your heart heart. The, the, the word there would be the, the Torah, the law, the commandments, the scriptures, right? Like meditate on the word of God until it gets deep down into your heart. It shapes you. It becomes part of who you are. Let me give you an analogy that I think you can relate to, okay? In, in the business and professional world where many of you live, we have what we call best practices, how many of you know this term, right? The best practices. Like when you get to a certain question, you get to a certain place where you're not, not, not sure what to do. What, what's the prevailing wisdom in my field? What's the prevailing wisdom in my culture? What, what are the best practices? Let me check the manual. Let me consult with some other professionals. Let me consult with my supervisors. What are the best practices in, in this situation? What does the industry recognize, right, as wisdom? Church, let me help you. The scriptures are God's best practices for your life. They're the best practices for your life. Come on, the, the, will, of, the will of God is found in, in, in the Word of God. If you want to know the Word of God, get your, the will of God, get your nose in the Word of God. The more you, you know the Word of God, the more you're going to have a sense of what's right in any situation. See, wisdom, as I said before, it, it, it's not that you're going to open your Bible and find a, a verse for every specific thing, okay? Although the Bible speaks to so many things, and Proverbs, man, get in Proverbs. Proverbs speaks to so many things that we face in life. It's amazingly, 
It's amazingly relevant. But the Bible can't tell you, like, who to marry, right, or who to go on a date with or whatever. Can't tell you that. But, but the more you train your mind and the word of God, the more you're going to have the wisdom of God, the more you're going to be able to recognize the will of God in your life. And so here's a really good example um, in verses 9 and 10 that's sandwiched in these verses we just looked at. How do I handle my, my finances? Should I become a generous person? Look at verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops. Anybody in here in agriculture? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> We're modern day people. This is talking about how you handle your finances. Verse 10, then your barns, that's your bank account, will, will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. How many of you like the sound of new wine? Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah. So here's a question. Should I become a generous person? Would that be a wise thing to do? I don't know. What does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? If you become a generous person, you have a chance to do that every Sunday, to put wisdom into practice because the wisdom of God, the Word of God comes with the blessings of God. If you live this way, if you're a generous person, if you honor God with your finances, then you're going to be blessed overflowing. Is this, is, now, is this a get-rich-quick you know, scheme? No. Is this like the glorified lottery? No. But in general... According to the word of God, you're generous. If you're, if you're a giver, you are positioning yourself for the blessing of God on your life. How many of you want that? My hands up. My hands up. <laughs> we give. We're givers. We believe in this. And so there's one example, right? The point is we want to bring the wisdom of God, the word of God, the will of God into every area of our lives. So we're not compartmentalized. Oh, there's not just I go to church and I say amen to the sermons, but then there's my life over here. No, no, no. We want the wisdom of God in our finances, in our relationships, in our marriage, if you're married, in our parenting, if you're a parent, in my career, whatever my field is, the way I relate to people, the way I treat people, the way I talk to people, right? Are you with me? The way I care for myself. Like we want we want the will of God in every one of those areas. And so you have to know the word of God because the will of God is contained in the word of God. And the more you train your mind in this, it's going to be wonderful when the scriptures come. Like the Holy Spirit will literally bring scriptures to your mind, and that's wonderful. But even if he doesn't bring a particular scripture to mind, your, your mind begins to get trained and to recognize the will of God. Come on, the will of God becomes more recognizable. Oh, I recognize that. I might not be able to quote the exact scripture, but something about that resonates because you've been training your mind in the word of God. Come on, the scripture says, I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. I'm not going to accidentally sin. I got his word in my heart, and the Holy Spirit will bring that back to your remembrance. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. How many of you know the world can be dark and confusing sometimes, right? So many choices, so many situations, so many gray areas. Lord, I need your light. I need the flashlight of your word guiding my steps so I don't stumble on myself. This is what we're talking about, training our, our minds in the word of God. Then number six, you got to know God's correction. Know God's correction. Look at this. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Okay, so this is like party pooper, right? Because we're reading through all these verses and it's like, you know, you know, that's overflowing and barns overflowing and a good name and a long and prosperous life and we're all getting into it and amen. And then we get to like verse 11 and 12 and it's like, hit the brakes. <laughs> Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Like, where does that fit in? Where does that fit in? Well, you got to know God, God, God's correction. This is part of, of, of becoming a wise person. See, one of the ways that a good parent shows love to their child is through correction and discipline. Come on, parents, right? Like, 
If you never correct your child, if you only give your child everything they want, you give them gifts, you just dole out gifts on them, give them everything they want, and they grow up to be a spoiled brat, that's not real love. Anybody in here, like, you really enjoy being around spoiled brat children? Anybody? Come on, let's have fun in church for just a moment. Have you ever been around someone else's child and you wish you could discipline them, like, for the parent? Come on, some of y'all been in the grocery store before. Let me spank that child for you. If you won't do it, I'll do it for you. Please, let me. (laughs) I'd love to hit that kid. Oh, don't be getting too serious on me now in church. We keep it real at redemption. I'm just saying, if you're new here. <laughs> but listen, we all know that that real love seeks to shape character. Hello? We all know that real love seeks to shape character, right? And this is what God wants for us. It says that, that God disciplines us as a father, as a father, the son he, he delights in. Now, I grew up, my parents, you know, they, they believed in this. Like, we, we had discipline and structure in our home. And uh, I know this is going to scandalize some of you young millennials, but my parents spanked me. I know. I know. That's child abuse these days. But they were old school. My dad is a pastor by career, carpenter by trade, so it usually involved wooden objects, like a paddle or something like that. And uh, my dad was a pastor. And I have to say, my dad always did it well. Like, you, you came in. He was a preacher, so you got a sermon. You prepared. You got your heart right. Of course, you were ready because you might meet Jesus during one of his spankings, my dad would sit us down and talk to us, and he would always say, now, this is going to hurt me more to have to do this than it's going to hurt you. And I used to always think, now, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. Let's flip this thing around. Let me beat the snot out of you. (laughs) But, you know, as you get older, as you grow up, you begin to realize that your parents discipline you if they did it right because they love you, right? If they did it right. Now, my parents used to say this to me when I was a kid. One day, you're going to thank us for the discipline, right? Now, when you're a kid, how many of you know you think your parents are crazy, right? And so now I can say, if mom, if you're watching today, I want to say, after years of counseling and therapy, thank you, mom and dad, for the spankings, okay? (laughs) Give it up for my mom and dad if they're watching today. They spanked us and they put some Jesus in us growing up. (laughs) And we made it, we made it. But here's the point. The Lord will bring correction into your life. and, And oftentimes it looks like, uh, a scripture that speaks to you, right? Just stops you in your tracks and, and, and just, it, it convicts you. It, sometimes it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit as you're praying. There's just a sense like the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you in your life that needs to change. Sometimes it's the, it's the tough love of, of another believer. Come on, don't despise the, the tough love of another believer who's committed, who's in your life, who can look you in the face and help you make the right decision. Come on, don't, don't despise that. Somebody who loves you enough to look you in the eyes and, and, and set you straight and help you get it right when you need them to. Um, sometimes it's the opportunity to learn from our own mistakes. How many of you know we always, we all provide enough opportunities for ourselves to learn from our mistakes, right? And, and, and the Lord wants to, he wants to correct us, right? Wise is the person who, who learns to embrace not only the encouragement of God, not only the, 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 the things that encourage us, not only just the life-giving words, but also his, his correction, knowing that he is a loving and heavenly father, don't despise, don't despise the correction of God, the Lord's discipline. Wise is the person who doesn't just want the feel-good sermon, but the person who says, God, give me everything you got for me. I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. If there's something that needs to change, if you've got to course correct me, if you've got to rebuke me, if you've got to recalibrate my GPS, get me on the right path. Because I want everything that you have for me. And so that's what we're going to do today, church. We're going to ask God to do a work in us. God, we want to be wise. God, make us wise 
people. God, make us people of wisdom. God, train our hearts and our minds in wisdom. God, give us strength every day to get up and just do the left, right, left, right. We're just going to walk this path with you every day. We're going to get up and pray tomorrow. Do I need to pray tomorrow? Yes, you need to pray tomorrow. Do you need to get in God's Word all over again tomorrow? Yep, you need to get up and get in God's Word all over again tomorrow. Get the Bible app on your phone. Put it in your ears on the way to work. Whatever you're doing tomorrow, get, yeah, you got to do the right things every day. We're going to put wisdom into practice, right decisions. Invite God into our day. Invite God into our decisions. Invite God into our, everything we're doing throughout the day, into our work day, into our parenting, into our, our relationships. This is what we got to do. And, and the first step isn't just, I'm, I'm not saying to you try harder. That's not what I'm saying. The first step that we see today is to entrust your path to the one who is all-knowing, to the one who is all-wise. That's what we're doing today. God, do something in me that I can't do for myself. God, I entrust my path to you. I recognize that, God, I'm capable of straying. I'm capable of making the wrong decision. I'm capable of stumbling over myself. But God, I recognize today I don't have it all figured out. I recognize today that I'm learning, I'm growing, but I'm still limited. I need other people's perspective. I need godly perspective in my life. I need your word in my life. God, I want to know your love all over again so it gets deep down in my heart so I become a person of peace who's not rattled by everything that comes in my life, who doesn't chase after everything that's not from you. God, make me a person of wisdom. Lord, let me trust in you with all of my heart. Lean not into my own understanding. God, in all of my ways, in every area of my life, it's not compartmentalized, God. It's not just Sunday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every area of my life. Let me acknowledge you, and you will direct my path. Oh, God, you will make my paths straight. Amen. Come on, how many of you want that this morning? Would you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to pray together. Worship team, just come on up here this morning, and as they're making their way up, I think they have masks available if you need a mask, um, but they're just going to be available up here. In just a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're just going to have an extended time of worship. The worship team is going to come and play, and, and if you need in prayer in your life for anything, maybe there are some decisions you're facing right now. Maybe this series has been speaking to you, like, man, I want, I want the wisdom of God. I want to be more teachable. I want, to, I want everything that God has for me. I want a closer relationship with him. They're here to pray with you. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a, a, a need for healing in your body. We'll lay hands on you and pray over you. And so we're going to be available to pray for you today. Um, but let's first do this. Let's take a moment to pray and respond to this message. And by the way, if you don't want to come up, just make your own altar right where you are. After we pray, you can be seated or stay standing. But we're going to meet with God today over these next few moments. Come on, let's pray into this together, church. Let's ask God to do a work in us. Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving Heavenly Father. As we've been reminded from Scripture today, that God, you, even when you correct us, you do it as a, as a loving Heavenly Father who delights in his children. And Lord, today we want, to be, we want to be wise. We want to be people of wisdom. God, we recognize that teachability isn't just for us, but it's about us becoming wise so that we can glorify you. We can honor you in every area of our lives that our path would align with the path that you have for us. Come on, God, we're inviting you to do that. Would you pray that with me? God, we're inviting you to direct our paths. Give our paths over to you. Order our steps, God. God, I thank you for the promise in the book of James that says if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it to us. God, we're asking today. We're asking today. We have decisions, things we're facing. We're asking you to make us people of wisdom. And God, we thank you that you will do it for us. Do the work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen.
Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.